Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. I actually started my career in analytics consulting at Accenture. Uh, so studied electrical engineering, uh, went to Boeing to work on satellites, and I realized that industry really moves slow. So typical life cycle to put up you know, a GPS satellite is about 10 years from beginning to end which is a crazy long amount of time. Imagine what's happened in 10 years, right? Uh, so I was like, that's gonna be way too long. I'm gonna lose interest. I wanted to get into something dynamic. Uh, went into consulting and I liked it at first because of you know, being able to switch projects, seeing a lot of different industries. But the problem was we would put together you know, an analytical recommendation of here's how we think you should change how you target customers for an upsell or a cross-sell. A lot of the times, they would take that recommendation and they would just put it on a shelf. So I didn't actually see all the hard work that our team put into you know, recommendation actually implemented in the system at the company. And so you know, that kind of demoralized me for a while. I went kind of on like a quarter life crisis, uh, was searching jobs all over the place. And then at that time, I just wanted to find an opportunity where I would have a lot more ownership of the end to end. And so I applied for a startup here, and I actually went in in a dual role, so sort of a client services role, which was my background at Accenture, working directly with the clients, and also analytical product management. So that's kind of when I made the pivot, and my domain knowledge of working with clients on analytical solutions allowed me to craft a product roadmap for the BI suite at that company. And so once I made that transition, I basically um, fell in love with product management. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. Uh, the topic for today was intro to product management and the goal for me is talk about you know, what is product management at a high level, um, what are some of the things that they focus on on a day-to-day -day basis, what are the skill sets that are required to be an effective product manager, and practically how did I become a product manager, what was the route that I took. So first, um, whether you are a research scientist coming up with a cure for cancer, uh, whether you are the next Steve Jobs, or whether you are the leader of the free world, if you think about yourself, you always feel like you know, you're a very important person. Sometimes um, people think, even when you're working directly with a product manager, um, you might think they're just a paper pusher, they're, they're not necessarily helping you. Um, on the flip side, as a product manager looking at developers, you may be thinking that this is just the army of people that I'm trying to control. None of that is actually true, right? Everything is kind of skewed. But what exactly does a product manager actually do? Um, so product managers generally uh, are cross-functional leaders. So what's interesting about product management is that generally you're not directly managing anybody, but you are sort of responsible for a portfolio of work. And you are coordinating a group of developers of QA analysts, of researchers, of data, uh, data scientists to work on a specific theme of work and deliver a business outcome. 
and it's related to the first thing that you said, which was identifying the customer need. So what exactly are we trying to solve? And it falls into these three broad themes, technology, business, and users. So what are some of the typical things in these buckets? In the business bucket, and that's sort of where my background came from, was thinking through the opportunity for a specific product. So if you're launching something brand new, is this going to reach a million users? Is this going to reach 100 million users? You know, what is the scope of that? What is the revenue monetization potential of that product? You know, things like that. Uh, and that goes into competitor analysis. So who are the incumbents in this space? Is this already a monopoly? Is it a pretty saturated market? Those are some of the things you think about. And stakeholder management is actually really important, especially as you move into a larger and larger organizations. Uh, if you start out in a startup like I did with about 20 people, um, you know everybody that works there and it's very easy to collaborate. Once you move to a company like TripAdvisor where there's uh, about 1,000 plus people in the technology organization, um, there's different levels of hierarchy. You have to get certain things approved before you can actually you know, green light your project. Having those connective tissues with the other teams is critical to actually get your product pushed forward. So that's sort of the business aspect of it. On the user side, uh, user interviews. So uh, you may think that you're the smartest person in the world and you know exactly how the user is going to use your product, but you are just one data point, right? So product management is very data-driven. You can't just take what you think you're going to do with the product and assume everybody else is going to do the same thing. So going out in the field and actually getting qualitative information, um, especially in an early stage product, is critical because um, Google, Facebook, companies like that, they have, and TripAdvisor, they have the benefit of having millions and millions of users hit their site all the time. So it's very easy to see you know, what's trending, what's actually happening on the macro level. When you're starting out as a scrappy startup and you have you know, 10 B2B clients, you don't have that luxury. So you need to get on the ground, actually talk to users face-to-face, -face, and really dig deep into what are their needs. Um, and then on the technology side, so um, what's interesting about that specific slice is not all product managers have to be technical. Um, so I majored in electrical engineering, a technical degree, but I didn't have a software engineering background. Uh, and a lot of companies in Silicon Valley they started out with basically product management as a discipline didn't exist you know, 10, 15 years ago, right? No one majors in product management uh, coming out of college. You can major in software, uh, computer science. You can major in visual design, graphic design. Um, but you can't major in product management, at least back then. Now more schools are doing that. And so generally, you see people pivot from tangential areas into product management. Uh, for me, that was more of a data-driven analytical background. Some people come from software into product management. There's a lot of people that did QA. So, and why is that important? When you're QAing things, you actually see the pain points of the users. And so you can actually make that pivot to understand, now I really understand the users. I'm going to take that information and actually drive uh, the product roadmap. Cool. So this is more of a spiel for my background. Um, so as I mentioned, I actually started my career in analytics consulting at Accenture. Uh, so studied electrical engineering, uh, went to Boeing to work on satellites, and I realized that industry really moves slow. So typical life cycle to put up you know, GPS satellite is about 10 years from beginning to end, which is a crazy long amount of time. Imagine what's happened in 10 years, right? Uh, so I was like, that's going to be way too long. I'm going to lose interest. I wanted to get into something dynamic. Uh, went into consulting, and I liked it at first because of you know being able to switch projects, seeing a lot of different industries. But the problem was we would put together 
you know, an analytical recommendation of here's how we think you should change how you target customers for an upsell or a cross-sell, a lot of the times they would take that recommendation and they would just put it on shelf. So I didn't actually see all the hard work that our team put into, you know, recommendation actually implemented in the system at the company. And so, you know, that kind of demoralized me for a while. I went kind of on like a quarter life crisis, uh, was searching jobs all over the place. And then at that time, I just wanted to find an opportunity where I would have a lot more ownership of the end to end. And so I applied for a startup here and I actually went in in a dual role. So sort of a client services role, which was my background at Accenture, working directly with the clients and also analytical product management. So that's kind of when I made the pivot. And my domain knowledge of working with clients on analytical solutions allowed me to craft a product roadmap for the BI suite at that company. And so once I made that transition, I basically um, fell in love with product management. And since then, I've been very lucky and fortunate to have had a couple of different opportunities that kind of span um, the two by two here. So Gen.video, which still exists today, uh, originally was focused on a community of members that actually would do product reviews. So if you use you know, Tide Pods or if you bought an LG product, we would actually get video reviews from that user. We would incentivize them with points, like Amex points, something like that. And then we would syndicate that content out to the brands. So big conglomerates like Procter & Gamble, LG was a client, would actually take that content and distribute it online on Amazon, on their branded sites. And the whole business model was enhanced content was gonna be more compelling than just written text reviews. And so that's what that startup was, and that's when I worked on the BI piece. Um, on the next place I went was Palantir. Um, and that jump for me was really um, a passion jump. And so um, I loved all the people that I worked with at Gen Video. A lot of people I invited to my wedding. Um, and it was very tight-knit because it was a startup of about 20 people. But the actual product itself, I wasn't super passionate about. Um, so I wanted to find something that the mission of the company was something that I was super passionate about. Palantir, for the people that aren't familiar with the company, um, the, co uh, the PayPal co-founders, uh, Peter Thiel, if you heard, heard that name, they developed uh, an internal product to help with fraud detection. So early days in PayPal, they had a lot of issues with fraud, people hacking PayPal, um, siphoning off money, and they originally tried to solve it with an algorithm. So, um, you know, detect certain patterns, figure out that's fraud, flag it, and you know, kick that person off. The problem was the fraudsters were too smart and they would actually be able to work around the algorithm. And so they developed a comprehensive suite of products that took the best of both worlds, machine and humans. So it, it empowered data analysts at PayPal to use some of the algorithms, but also overlay their own intelligence to identify fraud. And that actually helped lower fraud heavily at PayPal. What they ended up doing was taking that product and applying it to the government space. So obviously post 9-11, um, there were a lot of people uh, passionate about you know, trying to solve you know, counterterrorism. They went to the government space, actually got funding from the government VC to develop a suite to help them with counterterrorism. And so that's originally you know, how Palantir came about. It actually was in stealth mode for about three years, um, which is kind of crazy. You don't see that now uh, with startups. 
You can do that when Peter Thiel's bankrolling you, though. Um, when you know he's the first investor in Facebook, he has some money to actually pad that. You don't really see that with startups like Gen Video. Uh, it's very hard to get you know Series A, Series B without seeing like actual traction. Um, so I moved out to Palo Alto for a bit to work with some of the leadership there. But my family's on the East Coast, so I came back and I worked at Rocket Trip. Rocket Trip is a uh, it's an interesting company. It's a Y Combinator backed startup. And essentially, um, Google started this product and initiative internally that incentivized people to save on their corporate travel. And so they would have Google points for travel. So if you spend less, Google would actually reward your points. You could use those points to upgrade to first class the next time. They took that concept and basically exploded it out to all different corporations from SMB to enterprise. And essentially what it would do, it would set a budget based on an algorithm. So say your company allows you to spend you know, 500 bucks on a certain complete package, whether that's hotels, car rentals, um, flights, et cetera. They would understand that, set the budget for you at 500. If you spent 200, you, you actually save the company $300. 150 would go to you, 150 would go to the company. Everybody wins. So that was the actual business model there. And that was a SaaS model so that they would actually license it out to the clients. And so um, the, the biggest thing there was trying to figure out what the sweet spot was for keeping people coming back. So the question always is, once you change the culture at a company, why use RocketTrip after that? Like, if you fundamentally change people doing this behavior, why can't you just do that in-house? And that was one of the challenges that they're um, actually wrestling with there. And most recently at TripAdvisor, I've been focusing on um, the consumer application, people use TripAdvisor here, hopefully. Um, they got a cool new app coming out for social. Uh, so at TripAdvisor, I work on the hotels experience and kind of went back to my roots in data and analytics. We're building out essentially a platform to help us deploy algorithms for how we should serve up the best hotels for a user. So if you guys are familiar with TripAdvisor, it has a lot of different reviews across a bunch of different travel uh, items, whether it's hotels, restaurants, um, they acquired uh, Viator, so a lot of the experiences that you go on. Um, I focus on hotels, which drives the majority of the revenue for TripAdvisor. And what's interesting is um, when you search something in Google, I feel like everybody kind of trusts the results that Google spits back to you. How many people actually click on something below the top five results? Not many, right? You kind of expect Google knows what they're doing. I'm going to pick one of the top three things. Similar case with TripAdvisor. If we sort the results for a large geo like New York City where there's thousands of hotels, people are only going to go through page one of results. So showing you which ones are on page one is critical, not only to the user, but also to the monetization. Obviously, the hotels care a lot about that. So there's bidding dynamics associated with it. So if, for example, um, the Westin Grand Central, uh, that hotel, obviously, you can go to their site, um, book rooms there. But there's also resellers. So people, I'm sure, have used Priceline, Expedia. They actually buy blocks of rooms for that hotel, and they sell it as a third party. So everybody's competing for people to actually click on that. And how TripAdvisor monetizes is through referrals. So once you click, every click actually becomes a qualified lead, and that's how we make money. So that's kind of the spiel on my background. And I think, for me, I'm really excited about being a product manager instructor. Uh, at product school, and I think my background is kind of varied and diverse, um, more so than most, uh, because I've seen kind of the startup life and what that's like. I've also worked at very mature companies, 
and I've also spanned B2B and B2C. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.